Hello and welcome to FTP for Triathlon People. This is episode 23. 23. Okay. I have, okay, for our listeners really fast, just some background. I've messed up the episode number almost every single time the last, like, since we've not been at Matt and Pages. Yeah, like the last five weeks. And I have to go back and listen to how I say it. So if I'm like 22, I repeat it and I'm like 23 and I fix it. And two weeks ago, I mis- messed it up. Or no, I said it correctly, and then I thought I messed it up, so I went over it, and then I double-checked, and I had said it correctly the first time. So, this is episode 23, I'm almost positive. Anyways, is this the Jordan episode or the LeBron episode? Because what's 23 to you? To me, I'm a LeBron kid, but to like Nick out there, it's probably a Jordan episode. Are they both number 23? Yeah. Oh. Probably LeBron. All right. So for this podcast, just because we're two millennials, this is the LeBron episode. Anyways, uh, we're coming to you live from Gobo in Boulder, Colorado. Um, And this week, we've got a really exciting interview with Drew Schellenberger. Um, He was so great. Yeah, he was really good. I like, (laughs) every time we have an interview, I get so nervous. And then we get on and I'm just like beaming because everyone's so sweet. Drew was so sweet and humble. I know, but it's just like everybody that we talk to is like bigger than us, you know? So it's like really nerve-wracking. Yeah, we go in and we're like, what are his accolades? Read them. I mean, he's like a gazillion-time national champion. He's, <laughs> he's like been a youth to the Olympic Youth Olympics. Games. He's got his pro card now. He has he's... Olympic dreams. Yeah, and you know, it's just, it's nerve-wracking. But really good conversation, so that'll be up next. After the interview, stay tuned. We've got a quick Cam's Corner and some more triathlon news and updates from the world. So we will see you on the other side. Enjoy the interview. Drew, you there? Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for hopping on this call with us. Yeah. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. So, did you just finish a graduation party today? No. Um, No, that's next weekend. Next weekend, okay, okay. But you did, did you have your graduation? What are they doing? Tell us, tell us, give us the details. Well, we're, our school is kind of weird because we have a ton of people, but not very many, um, uh, how should I put this? Not very, like, we're, we're not all living very close together. Okay. So, I I'm not even sure that there's an actual like graduation party, like an actual graduation happening. Oh. I think it's like a uh, like a drive-through type type of graduation oh, where boy. everybody's going rolling through in like their cars. Dang. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I Is know. would that have been different if COVID weren't happening? Oh yeah, definitely. Our, our field house at our high school seats like 7,000 people. So we we normally pack the house for graduation and everybody's sitting on the uh, basketball floor and we just have a normal like commencement ceremony. Wow. Damn. Well, anyway, I'm Morgan. Sorry. Oh, hello. <laughs> Hi. Nice. And I'm nice here to with you guys. Great to meet you too. This is Cam and you are Drew. Um, yep. <laughs> some clarification here because you know our coach Nick right? Yep. Okay. So for pretty much the entire time we knew him, we pronounced his last name Tran Barger. Yeah. And he was like, literally two months ago was like, uh, it's actually Tran Barger. So we want to confirm, are you Drew Schellenberger or Schellenberger? 
Sheldon Berger just like Nick's last name. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we were mispronouncing your name too. Good grief. <laughs> um, okay, awesome. So on the same like COVID, the virus vein, um, we've kind of been asking all of our guests this, but how has COVID affected your training, if at all? Um, it really hasn't affected my training hardly at all. Um, I've only had a little hiccup in my swim training just because, uh, I like yesterday, I just got back from a two month stint in Florida. So we had like a small little swimming pool, like at the house that we were staying at. But, um, so I was tethering for probably a good two months in that sort of time span. But, um, uh, I just recently got to start open water swimming because Waterfront Park up in Claremont, Florida, which was uh, right near where we were staying, uh, finally opened up. So we ended up getting uh, getting the ability to swim in open water and uh, be able to train like that. But the bike and run have been completely as normal and nothing's really changed there. Good. Awesome. Okay. So... so- Wait, why were you down there, Drew? What were, you, were you training with, like, the Project Podium guys or something? Uh, well, we had uh, the Claremont Draft Legal Challenge weekend of races um, at the beginning of March, so oh. I was already down there to race. And then uh, the Sarasota, like, ITU North American Championships were then that next weekend right after Claremont, so we were down there for those like those two back-to-back weekends. Okay. But then the COVID stuff started the week between, so we were pretty much stuck down, or I was pretty much stuck down there because uh, my family was staying down there. So I went back and stayed with them, and then okay. that's basically just where I've been. Okay, all right. For the last two months, I feel like that's a lucky. Yeah, it's a lucky, lucky place, place to get stuck. To get stuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I'd much rather would be there than probably anywhere else. Right. So, so are you back in Indiana now? Yep. Okay. I got back yesterday at like 5 p.m. ish. Okay. So I've been here a little more than a day now and just getting back adjusted. So are you going to have any like anything for swimming now, now that you're back? Or are you just now waiting for pools and open water to get warmer? Um, Actually, we have – I live on a small little lake on the south side of Indy, so um, – I have the ability to swim. It's going to be really, really cold, and I'm not going to want to jump in very often, but I'll probably be swimming three to four times a week. Okay, nice, nice. That's a question I was going to ask you later in the interview, but now that you've mentioned it, um, something you mentioned you like about triathlon on your website is a challenging swim course with a little bit of chop, but no wetsuits, and then in your dislikes, you say wetsuit legal swims and cold water. So do you... (laughs) <laughs> do you hate cold water and you also hate when it's wetsuit legal or do you hate when it's wetsuit legal because it's cold water? Interesting. Well, a little bit of both. So <laughs> I, I come from a very swim-heavy background, so a, a wetsuit doesn't really help me as much as it does some of the other people that I'm racing against. Yeah. Right. So I kind of like to not just give them that advantage, put me at sort of a quote-unquote disadvantage for, not, for having that wetsuit, but... I also enjoy like if like at the swimming pool where I train, I would much rather it be a warmer get in or not as cold when I get in than if it were to be really really cold. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is your high school is your high school one of those fancy Indiana high schools that has its own fifty meter pool? 
Um, I I wouldn't consider us a fancy a fancy pool, but we've got a six lane twenty five meter pool. Nice. It has a bulkhead that we can move to make it twenty five yards. Nice. But yeah, we're we're nowhere near the the fancy side, but we it's not a it's not a bad place to go swim every day. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So backing up like a really, really long time in your history to kind of really dig into the triathlon, Drew, um, your first okay. race was at four and a half. So I'm wondering if you remember anything about that. What was the distance? Um, it was super, super short. It was like, it was like a 25 meter swim, then like a one mile bike and like a 200 meter run. It was really, really short. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I don't really remember much of the like the whole racing experience at that point, but I after the race, my mom and dad c- continually tell me that uh, the entire bike ride I whistled. So <laughs> Whistle. that's sort of like my my go to thing, I guess. Huh. You were just like, I'm just chilling. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, those those before I knew really what the whole idea of a triathlon and competition was yeah. was so i just went out and that sort of i guess hooked me on the sport did your dad put you up to that oh no actually um we were like our me and my sister um who's three years older than i am uh us and our cousins uh decided to do it as like a sort of not cousin bonding time but i guess sort of for lack of a better phrase cousin yeah. bonding time yeah Oh, that's so fun. So it was like you guys had organized it, the whole thing? No. Oh, it was an actual, like, normal race, but uh, oh. we, like, my, uh, I think my dad was sort of, like, looking in the area for races that he could do, and he found this little kids race, so we decided to do it as, like, all of our cousins. Gosh, that's, that's so cool. fun. Yeah. So um, we've mentioned your dad a couple of times, and he's also an athlete. Um, and oh, also, yes. you're, yeah. sorry, what was that? Very much so. Very much so? Um, Very much so. He's definitely an <laughs> So you've been kind of like in the triathlon world for your whole life then? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I'm, guess I'm, you could consider me in a, a triathlete for most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and your dad's also your coach now? Not anymore. Now that I've joined the podium for this upcoming year, uh, my, my dad's been my coach up until probably last june-ish okay. so about a year ago okay awesome cool um let's see so because you've like trained your entire life like obviously you've like have the swim heavy background and running and everything have you ever struggled with like burnout in the sport not really i've i've like this has always been just something i do as like a passion like it's it's never been something that either either of my parents are like you need to do this this is totally me driven so like my dad being my coach I asked him to do do that for me and he was always pretty like every day or every time at a race he's always hands off he's not like if you were to watch me on a race day you would hardly ever see my dad or my mom for that matter just because I'm like they they taught me that this is this is your time this is what you should do for fun or you should do this for fun. And so it's pretty much always been on me to go seek help. And so that's, that's where I went to my dad for help. And then also like being self-sufficient on race day. That's, that's one of my main things that I tell like uh, people that ask me what, what is like one piece of advice that I could give. 
mm-hmm. and that's be self-sufficient on race day so that then you're the only person that you have to depend on so right. that then you are like you know what you're doing every day on race day just get in that routine hmm. that's some really good advice yeah honestly i feel like race day can be so stressful and if you are depending on other people oh yes it can be <laughs> that just adds to it um yeah so you've mentioned project podium and you know we looked at your kind of timeline of successes and i think starting in 2015 at least that's when it's been started to be documented but um we're not gonna list them all but three-time usa t youth elite national podium two-time high school national champion um youth olympic games qualification and competing so a question for me that came out of that was like at what point did you think hey i'm actually like pretty good at this um i guess when so when I initially started my youth league career as a 13 year old, like got me interested in elite racing was Scott Wilson. And, and he's, uh, he was stationed up in Carmel, Indiana. So just on the North side of Indianapolis. And he really was the one that talked me into uh, racing the Richmond youth league cup, which is like the first race this year. And when I ended up placing fifth there as a 13 year old, I was like, Hey, I might actually have, some form of career in this because yeah. I always since I wasn't really a like naturally born runner I never thought that I could be an elite like a uh, an elite triathlete I always thought I would have to go the non-drafting route just because my swim and my bike would make up for the lost time that I would have on the run right. but really once I saw that I wasn't really that far off it that kind of led to the spark of me taking an interest in uh, youth and junior elite racing and then also now going to be a professional elite triathlete so it's it was pretty much just that that Richmond when I was that Richmond race when I was 13 was really the turning point for me being focused solely on non-draft races me being a completely draft legal athlete and there being no non-drafting races in my future for the time being at least right would would you say that starting so young, I mean, four and a half, but then like really seriously starting, you know, like 13, right. Um, do you think that set you up really well for your future as a triathlete? Or do you think you could have started at any time and still been just as successful? Um, no, I definitely think me starting as a 13 was necessary for me <laughs> to be in the spot that I'm in. Cause I think had I not done that rich, that Richmond race that I was talking about, I would probably would never have found the draft legal route so I would still be I would just be doing triathlons like at my local races and doing the non-drafting scene and just taking that all in but I think that really that Richmond race was really the turning point for me becoming the triathlete that I am and trying to become more well-rounded and get that run up to the standard that my swim and biker are at absolutely so before that race were you just swimming primarily or were you also like on the track and cross country team in middle school um i was i was a uh three sport athlete so i would do uh cross country in the fall then swimming in the winter and then do uh tra- at, at my middle school and um okay. but like i never really stopped swimming okay was that like I, think I swam all year round? Swimming at that point was my main focus. Okay. And I like, I had 
I had started making enough progress that like I thought I could go to college as as a swimmer and that was like the route that I really wanted to go okay. and like my swim coach Matt Jeffries was a uh, was a breaststroker at Ohio State so he knew he knew like what it looked and what he he was really helpful in that whole uh, like phase of my life where I thought swimming is going to be where I'm going to end up but then after obviously after that Richmond race everything is completely flipped to 180 and triathlon is now like my main gig and yes I still swim and run track and cross country at my high school just like like I middle school but it's definitely more evenly dispersed throughout the year I'm not like my running during swim season and vice versa I'm not completely stopping swimming during track and cross country seasons right do you um like for me I'm glad that I didn't continue swimming because I just got so like burnt out from it and I found that triathlon was a great balance with swimming and like I could still do enough of it to enjoy it but like not get burnt out do you feel the same sort of way with triathlon yeah definitely I I love the balance of the of all three sports just just because, like, I found, like, my freshman and sophomore years of high school, I really wasn't as consistent with all of my training. So I did end up stopping running during swim season and vice versa. Okay. So I, like, at the end of tra- track and cross-country season, I was ready to get back in that pool. Like, I was I was really ready and just sort of not not checked out of the sport that I was currently doing, but I was already looking forward to getting in the pool like at the end of cross countries and then at the end of swim season, I was definitely ready to get out of the pool. <laughs> so I think if just swam full time, I don't think that I would be n- not burnt out at this current moment. I think I would have burnt myself out a long time ago. Right. Okay. So now shifting gears into, I don't know, I would, I think one, one of your biggest achievements has been the youth Olympic games. So talk us through what the qualification process for that was like. So, um, so earlier in 2018 in, well, when, when was that late June, late in in late June of, uh, 2018, we had a qualification race in, uh, Salinas, Ecuador, where, uh, USA triathlon sent eight, um, uh, 16 year olds and 17 year olds to Ecuador to do the race. So it was, uh, so there was eight of the guys that I like knew very well going into it, and I was really just uh, focusing on what I needed to do during the race, mm-hmm. and that was just go ahead and see where the pieces fell during the run. Because like really, my goal wasn't to win the win the race, even though that would have been a great uh, sort of icing on the cake. <laughs> but my goal during the race was really just to be top seven and first American, because I was a like the instant qualification process uh-huh. that uh, the you, that the um, international Olympic Committee had set out. So, like for each of the qualification races, the top seven people, as long as they were all from different countries, were able to go. Like instantly had a spot at the Olympic Games. So I was just making sure that I had had that top seven locked in, and that I was also first American, which really sort of made my job a lot easier than it really needed to be. But I mean, taking a third place at that qualification race in Ecuador was a, a good um, indication of where I was at in my training, and I, that really gave me some confidence going into the Olympic Games later that year. 
So did you have to qualify for the race in Ecuador as well? Or was that just like USAT um, selected you guys? Yeah, there was, uh, there was sort of a little, there was, um, let's see. So Saras, the Sarasota race that was, that's in March, mm-hmm. like that second weekend of March was, uh, part of that qualification process. And, um, so like the top eight, uh, 16 and 17 year olds from the, from that junior race ended up getting to go. And so I instantly punched my card when I or punched that ticket, when I ended up winning the race as a 16 year old in my first ever, uh, Elite, my first ever junior elite race so okay. i was happy about instant qualification there and then that also gave me some confidence going into, into the race in ecuador right so then what was the competition like at the actual games itself it was really weird because there was only 35 people on the start line okay so instead of it being a full like elite field of 75 we only had 35 people because every country was only allowed one person so it was it was a very small field, so the field was pretty strong at hand. Um, so obviously the, the swim was pretty fast. Um, I ended up getting out of the water, I think third, and just missed the uh, first two guys on like getting out onto the bike. So I ended up having to wait for the chase pack to come catch me, and so it was that was really disappointing. But I mean, other than that, it couldn't have been a better race for me. I ended up having a PR run split, awesome. of, like for a 5k of that year and so i mean all good things came from that race Dang. so what was the support like for your olympic team i mean it seems very vip and i'm wondering if it felt like that if you were just getting like free gear all the time and everyone was like checking in on you oh no it was it was definitely not like what you would think like an <laughs> olympic team would be like i mean we ended up we ended up getting some cool swag like we got uh like a podium kit plus some shoes and then i also got uh a couple of shirts and a pair of shorts like it wasn't a ton of gear like you would normally think like an olympic team would get like there wasn't just bags and bags getting shipped to my house (laughs) but i i did end up getting a decent amount of gear for it and i mean it was all of it i ended up using so I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Did you get to know the other competition, your team at all? Yeah, so we ended up uh, – so the rooming situation was just like a normal Olympic Games. Like there was an Olympic – like everyone was blocked with like their country. But like my um, my dorm, let's see, seven people on it. So I had three – Fencers, an archer, two wrestlers were who were in my um, in my dorm. Okay. Room like during the actual games, so I ended up going and watching all of them compete. Um, I watched um, I watched two of my uh, roommates win gold medals. One won a silver. One of the fencers won a silver, and then double bat, and then two of them came back in the team composition and won a bra. So that was also really cool. And then, uh, let's see. And then I also got to go watch a few of, uh, of like their friends compete. And that was, it was just a great overall experience to just go learn about all these different sports that you would never even think of, like from Indiana. Yeah. I love that. Would you, do you think that the race day nerves felt different for you going into that? 
Um, honestly, not really. I, for some reason, I was just super calm and ready to, I just felt ready, I guess. Yeah, and I feel like you have to have some confidence in your abilities, too, at that point. Like, making it there had to have been like, oh, I think I can compete here. Yeah. Yeah, although my expectations were also, like, I also didn't really have any expectations, just because, like, it was the first time that I was racing on an international circuit, like, an international race. Like, obviously, the races, to get to that point, had people from other countries, but it was only, like, from the Americas. So like I had never raced any of the European guys or any of the uh, Oceania guys. So like I had no idea what to expect going into it, which also made it so that then I really couldn't have any expectations. So it really, like I just felt free, I guess, to do, to just go out there and I give it my best and let the pieces fall where they did. So I really wasn't very wrapped up in the result of the race. It was more just the experience of the race and just getting to know what that atmosphere is like. Yeah. Okay, so now shifting gears in the, or I guess following graduation, you are joining Project Podium. Um, so, yep. which is so exciting. Congrats yeah, that's awesome. on that. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Um, but I guess just for, I guess, our listeners, can you just explain what this program is and like what its connection is with Arizona State? So, uh, it all starts. Like, the whole program came about when USA Triathlon was like, we've got the LA Olympics coming up in 2028. We need to figure out a way to get to midair for the male triathletes. Because we've had success for the past, what, couple Olympic Games with Gwen and uh, Sarah and Katie Zafiris and all of those people. Just our, our women are top-notch in the world, but our men are not quite as top-notch as we would like them to be. Right. So let's make a program, funnel in the next group of ultra high level athletes to sort of live set forth. So it all like USA triathlon then was like, where do we go to get the best support? And so Arizona state was then the place that they chose, which also then was the reason Arizona state came up was because that's the also, also the first place where a uh, D one NCAA women's triathlon team was, put in place so that's sort of how that partnership came about but then like project podium has then been uh filled with current uh like guys that just graduated college so like chase mcqueen dar smith um eric arms duncan reed and uh austin Heinemann are part of that group and so they were all they were all college and so usa triathlon then got them to come out and be part of the team. And so they finish up their degrees at Arizona state or wherever they were, depending on their situation. And so, uh, Luis Ortiz and I have been come in at like straight out of high school. And so we're, um, sort of not the new guys, but I'm definitely the new guy just because all the other guys are four year, four or five years older, except for Luis, who's still two years older than I am. And, so I'm just the really young guy who's with the very um, established triathletes already. So it's going to be an interesting uh, shift from being the big man on campus at my high school to then being the definitely not the best on the team uh, at Project Podium. 
The good news is, though, that you'll be going into, like, into college with a bunch of other people who are also coming from, like, being the big people on campus to being, like, small fish in a larger pond. So you won't be alone there. Maybe on the Project Podium team, you're the new guy, but you'll be with a, a cohort of other first years, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which yeah. hopefully is hardening. Um, so you mentioned that your dad coached you up until this point, And now that you are with Project Podium, you have a new coach. So, um, do you think it'll be challenging for you to transition to a different coach, specifically a coach other than your dad? Um, definitely not. Um, the Project, po- Project Podium, Parker Spencer is awesome. He's a wonderful guy. Um, both my parents and I get along with him really well. So he's pretty much just like all the other uh, coaches that I've had up until this point. They're very personable and they're very personal and they, and he'll be, um, he looks out for me specifically in my training as well as then listens to uh, like questions and concerns about what I'm doing during my training and takes that into consideration while creating my training plans. And he really just is, uh the whole package when it comes to what you look for in a triathlon coach awesome that's good to so, hear yeah that's good um so do, yeah, it, i mean i'm very fortunate do all the guys on the team does everybody excuse me does everybody have their pro card yes everybody on everybody on project podium has their pro card um so uh, we're all just racing. They're all well. Everybody else other than me uh, only has continental cups and higher level races than that. To that could possibly be on their schedule, but me being a 18 year old, I still have two more years. Well, <laughs> now I guess one more year of junior elite racing ahead of me. So I I still have that ability to go back and race the, the junior elite race even with my pro card. Okay. So we can move on um still on project podium um what would you say is the community like with the other athletes are you guys pretty close have you gotten to hang out with them a lot um i really haven't gotten to hang out with them full time very much i got to hang out with them for like a week and a half while we were down doing the two races in uh florida but that's really all the time that i've had to spend with them like as a team but I mean, all of them individually are great guys, and I, they, I don't really, I can't ask for much more in a set of teammates. So I, I'm assuming that the um, the team atmosphere will be pretty good, and I'll get right in with all of them. Because you guys have all like raced a lot of the same races coming up, right? Yeah, we we've all come through the junior elite circuit, and. Yeah. Some of them, when they went to college, they went and obviously went the collegiate route because this opportunity didn't really exist for them. Right. But yeah, they've all gone their collegiate route and then come back to triathlon. So they, they've all come from different backgrounds, but then they all have the one thing in common, which is triathlon and how they came to love the sport, which is through the elite um, circuits. Do you think, I, don't, I guess like from what a lot of collegiate, like not collegiate, a lot of the elite triathletes go through that collegiate program. Like I think of like Gwen or Katie, they all competed for like their college's track team and then transitioned back to triathlon. 
Do you think that yeah. that sets you up better, or do you think that this like sole focus on triathlon will set you up better for the future? I think this sole triathlon focus will definitely set me personally up better for the future, just because like I I'm definitely nowhere near good enough of a runner to go to a like a D one running program and yeah. get any sort of like running time, I guess. So this will definitely help me to a improve my run and b not let the other two um disciplines fall away and not be my strengths anymore so i'll i'll bring my run up to the level that my swim and bike are at with this full-time triathlon sort of training yeah so i guess on that note what do you do you know what a typical day in the program will look like um I mean, so, so currently I'm going through a, a big run block, mm-hmm. so I'm doing a lot of run-focused training while still continuing to swim and bike, but they're not the focus of the week's workouts. Yeah. So I'll normally do like two, two, two days of intensity, one being like a hills workout kind of focus, just working on strength, and so all of it will be on hills. And then the other day during the week will be like a tempo slash speed focused workout. So like this past week I had two hundreds as my main set for that tempo slash hype uh, slash threshold um, workout. So it'll all be um, probably going up to three days a week during this next build, okay. but we'll we'll see where that goes. Okay. Uh, I guess, like, regarding this, do you, does the team have plans for the summer slash fall regarding, like, if you guys will actually be on campus or is everything pretty much everybody's staying home until the foreseeable future? Um, we're actually, at the end of this month, we're going to go out to uh, Smith Mountain Lake in Virginia, which is where uh, Parker has a lot of connections. So we'll be staying staying there for the month of um for the month of june Mm -hmm. and then july 1st we'll be heading out to uh park city utah at the uh at the olympic center there and so that'll be our home base for the next two months and then come september we'll head back down to tempe where the uh temperatures won't be so high so hot so we'll end up being there for um there and just off campus just a little north of campus Okay, that's nice. Um, w- regarding like the other guys in the program too, is it like a really cohesive unit, or like does the daily training seem to be like super competitive? Because you guys are obviously jockeying for positions on start lines and whatever. Um, I mean, we're all still really good friends and we know when the time to compete is yeah. which is obviously during the races but i mean i think i can count on one hand the time that a workout has gotten competitive which is hardly ever yeah. just because they they all have their own boxes that they're needing to check and the things that they're needing to work on which they all know of so they're all trying to help each other become better and elevate each other i guess yeah um, shifting gears again, I guess. Um, I've heard from Rip that you're quite the Uber biker. 
Yep. How, I guess you could say that. <laughs> how, I, I guess I've never raced draft legal personally. So how, how, how effective is like your biking at that draft legal distance? Is it like, are you able to break away and create big gaps? Well, in like in the American junior circuits, yes, I'm able to break away and create gaps, but that also is like, part of that is also my swim ability, which puts me in the, in the, in the position to be able to break away and just be out solo off the front. Yeah. But like, cause without that, if I didn't have that swim, then I would just be in it like the second bike pack and I would just be catching the first bike pack and it really wouldn't matter at that point. Right. Cause then my, my legs would be spent for the run, but yeah, just at, in the American elite circuit. Yeah. I'm able to break away off the bike and like, I think I've had, I've ended up having, like a minute and a half off of some of the bike rides with packs of probably 15 to 18 guys. Dang. That's awesome. Do you, do you have any plans to ever try your hand at a non-draft legal, like longer distance race? Um, that is a, uh, that's a bridge I'll come to once my short course career is over. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't see why not. Like I, I, I came from, a non-drafting background and I would love to go back to it. I mean, I, I love just being by myself and just riding and running just by myself and in my own head. Yeah. Do you, Drew, have any races on the calendar coming up or? Is everything canceled? Yeah. Uh, everything is still pretty up in the air, but, um, the first race that I think that is, even able to happen it, from a uh, elite racing perspective is the uh, race out in Long Beach. It's just a uh, just one of the um, Continental Cups in uh, California, so that'll just be the first race that we are currently counting on happening. Okay. From from like a Project Podiums perspective. Okay. Awesome, and now we've reached my favorite part of the interview, the fun question section. Um, so oh question one comes from Cameron, um, and it is, what is your favorite piece of equipment? Race day equipment, training equipment, water bottle, whatever it is. Hmm. My favorite piece of equipment. I don't know. That's a really hard question. Um, I'd probably say my, um, let's see. Oh man. I, I would probably have to say my, uh, my mini arrow bars cause they really come in handy when I'm, uh, when I'm racing on the American circuit at least. Yeah. So that's probably a piece of equipment that I couldn't really not live without, but that I really enjoy having on race day. It's a good one. I know. I feel like we always get really good answers to I that know, one. I <laughs> know. Those are always a good answer. Um, okay. So next question. We know breaststroke is your favorite. So what is your least favorite stroke? Mm, well, that's really hard. Are we talking about racing or practice? Um, practice. Practice. Ooh, well, practice, obviously, it's going to be butterfly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if you say anything other than butterfly, you're, you're not really a swimmer, I guess. <laughs> interesting do you have a least favorite racing stroke 
yeah, it's definitely backstroke. I'm, I'm not a fan of racing backstroke. I, I've just never really liked it before, but it, it, I've had to race it a couple times as a high schooler just because like our, like our relays sometimes don't have backstroke. Like our team doesn't normally have a backstroker on it. Yeah. So I've had to fill in that gap on our relays a couple times. Jeez. But I mean, I'll race it if I have to, but I'm, I'm not really a fan of it. Okay. All right. Um, next up. So we also read that you don't like the heartbeat music they play at the starting line, which cracks both of us up because I Very feel like true. we hate it too. I, yeah, I hate it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the worst. I can't stand it. It feels like you're going on to a roller coaster. Um, so you said that you wished that they would play music for each age group from when they were teenagers, which also I love yes. that idea. <laughs> so what song would you choose from your teenaged years? I don't know. That's that's a really hard question. There's like, there's probably ten or fifteen different songs that would be really good songs that are very upbeat, but also appropriate. I guess because a lot of the songs nowadays are not very appropriate. True. That is very true. Any Bruno Mars song, I feel like for them. I, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you probably you probably could do that, and it would be totally fine. Um, okay, and the last fun question is, if you had a free day to do any workout or set of workouts, what would you do? Hmm, a free day? I don't know. I feel like if I had a free day, I wouldn't use it to work out, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> That's fair. So do you, would you say, follow-up question, um, do you like, like, speed bikes or, like, speed runs or longer distance, just like... Like a long ride or long yeah. run day? I'm, I'm definitely a long ride kind of guy. I, okay. I love being out on my bike, and the more time that I can prolong being on my bike, the better. Okay. Awesome. Love yeah. that. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Drew. This has been a total blast. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. You betcha. Literally anytime. Um, where <laughs> can our listeners follow you? Um, on Instagram, my uh, handle is, uh, hold up, I'm just making sure I'm telling you this right, <laughs> drew.shell, just S-H-E-L-L. Okay, awesome. Nice. And then and folks can... That's a- about the only place that I stay up to date. All right. Cool. Can you say that again? I was going to say, also, people can follow Project Podium, too, and I think they'll probably be posting pictures of you shortly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's... Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Do you have thanks. any other questions? Right. No, no. Just anytime you... Uh, need to come out to boulder or anything we have a couch for you to sleep on if you want to more altitude training so that would be lovely (laughs) awesome drew well congratulations on graduating this has been a great conversation um we'll keep up to date with what you're up to and best of luck with your season yeah all right sounds good thank you very much for having me all right thanks Drew. drew bye Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Drew as much as we did. Yeah, it's a good chat. It was a good chat. Like we said in our intro, super sweet, super humble. Yeah. Very excited to see 
what's up next for him. Yeah, this is going to be a really exciting year. It's just crazy because, like, I was first hearing about him, what would have been when I first started? So when I was, like, 19, he would have been, what, that was, like, seven years ago? He would have been, like, 11 or 12. Dude, he did his first race at four and a half, so. I know, but, like, he was winning youth elite champs back then. Oh, yeah. And now it's all the way up until, like, he's, like, gunning for literally the Olympics. Well, I think it's pretty cool, too, because he comes from our community in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, Both he and Chase McQueen, who both are now on the team, are, like, literally, like, part of the teams that I've been on. Well, you asked me that right after the interview. You're like, what is it about Indiana that it's, creates these like master athletes? I know. It's I have crazy. no explanation. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty cool to see. I think that happens a lot and I don't have any evidence for this, but like little pockets of like talent. Yeah. Yeah. Ge- geographical pockets. Anyway, Great conversation. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Um, we have some other pieces to chat through now. Yeah, so we'll start off with a quick... Wait, can I just give the context that it's 10.45? On Tuesday. <laughs> On Tuesday. Tuesday. We keep pushing this off, but and, uh, here we are. We're doing it now. We're doing it. Um, quick little Cam's Corner. So Zip just announced this last week a new wheel set called the 303S Tubeless. Um, what do we ride? We ride tubeless, right? We ride clinchers. Oh. So wait, tubeless is the one that... It's so similar to like a car. Okay, so it's just air inside of like a tire. Yeah, and like, like you need really good um, like rim tape. It basically creates an airtight seal. Speaking of rim tape, remember? So when we first moved to Boulder... Mm-hmm. We our first descent down left hand. You flatted twice. Twice, okay. And the first time was because I braked too hard. Mm-hmm. I admit it fully. I was like, I was literally like, I've got to catch Cam. And then there was a speed bump, and I was like, uh oh. And so I like slammed him on, and I heard it pop. But the second time, I wasn't even on my brakes, and I'm pretty sure it was because those were brand new wheels. I think that the rim tape was sticking to the tube, and and. Um, popping it. I'm pretty uh, sure because it happened again later. But anyway, you need really good rim tape. Honestly, never mind. Anyway, I just want cl- I want everything to be something I can use. I think like every time you're like, it's not the right size or whatever. I just am mad because I want it to be for me. Anyways, these new three or three tubeless or three or three S tubeless wheels. Um, they're basically designed for wider tires um i guess they studied them and the max watt savings is a tire size of 28 millimeters they don't look like your usual zip wheels they have a new decal design which is like way more stealthy um like it's darker yeah you can like hardly see even see the decals Hmm. there's none of their signature firecrest like golf ball dimples on them because i guess this is like a this isn't like their flagship line, I guess. Right. It seems like it's more, I don't know. Is this like an entry level? Sort of. It's sort of like those Envy wheels we talked about a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, they're cheaper. So the front wheel is 625 bucks, and the rear wheel is only 675 bucks. Oh. 
Um, That's they, a pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah. They, I guess they're replacing, or they're designed to be replacing their 302 carbon clincher. Um, they're lighter than that one, that wheel set, but they are still heavier than their like standard flagship 303 Firecrest carbon clincher, which is, I guess, like the comparable model in the same like wheel depth. Um, but yeah, basically like I, I, I would assume they came out with it because it's a competitor to what Envy just released as well. Got they it. seem like more targeted towards like, I would assume gravel bikes. <laughs> well, it didn't, I think that's what their picture was too when they advertised bike. it. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating, man. So the, the industry just seems to be going catering to wider tires and like more comfort and more versatility and taking it off road and stuff. But pretty cool to see like you can get a really good set of wheels for, for context. The wheel set of, is only about a hundred grams, not even a hundred grams. It's like 50 grams heavier than the standard 303 fire firecrest carbon clincher. So if I had the money to uh-huh. have a carbon bike, yeah. Cause I this is something every time I see like Yolanda out with like carbon wheels mm-hmm. on her mountain bike or whatever, I always like seize up because it just gives me so much anxiety when I'm riding literally any kind of race wheel. I'm just like no bumps, no nothing. I know. So I feel like if you did want carbon wheels, this is the way to go because it's cheaper, right? Well, yes, but like they're technically they're stronger than like aluminum. Stronger. And I don't believe it. Like I know it's true, but I even my carbon bike I feel like is less durable than my aluminum bike was. Well, I know it's not true. I feel like it's the cost. Yeah, the <laughs> that's cost is re- just really scary. stresses me out. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that that's exciting. exciting. Yeah. More wheels, more tech. Yeah. You love it. Yeah. So next, we're going to go into an audience requested yeah. top five triathlon memories, which was hard to do. We both fell into the trap of like only racing. races. Yeah. Which, like, I feel like we've already done. And that's not to say you can't be like, my favorite race ever is, my number one memory is Kona, right? Yeah, but. But like, I want like Kona 2012 and why. Interesting. Do you want to start? No, I think we should do 5544332211. Interesting. Okay. You You go first with your five though. Okay, so I chose number five as, it's like a combination, so it's like kind of cheating, but. I have it as buying my first triathlon bike or buying my first like actual bike, which was the story of us, my grandpa and my mom all packing up in our car and driving up to Detroit and like just meeting a sketchy character in a random parking lot and like pulling the bike out of a sketchy van and then like driving away with it after giving him thousand dollars cash. But it worked. But it worked. It worked I out. still have that bike, and it was great. It was exactly the bike you wanted to. That's my favorite part. Is yeah. Is that you just, like, like the found color your dream bike on Craigslist. I know. But that, in conjunction with the first race on the bike, that new bike, which is literally, like, a couple weeks after that, and it was at a super hilly race. I remember hitting 50 miles an hour, like, right out of transition, going down what? this super steep hill. My top speed's only 43. Yeah. I'm better. And you're on an aluminum bike. And it was like rainy that day. 
and I literally thought I was going to die because I'd never been like I hadn't had that much practice on it at all, especially going up and down hills or in the rain or anything. But combination of those two, and then finally with the new bike was um, sort of the race caveat of this was I placed fourth at USAT Nats that season like completely unexpectedly this is so unfair you're combining three yeah but it all has to do with my new bike oh my god but it was just like out of nowhere and i was like oh i'm actually like pretty decent at this like this is what i want to do so i credit the the, the nice trek speed concept 2.5 anyways you can go next <laughs> all right my number five is i think my number five is going to have to be meeting Lucy and Jan in South Africa and also Sam Appleton. At the award ceremony? At the award ceremony, yeah. Uh, Lucy was so sweet. She literally chatted with us. And I was like, You're so, she asked us how our race was. Do you remember I that? Know, it was weird. We were like, wow, great race. Way to go. And she was like, thank you, thank you. How was your race? And I was like, <laughs> I came in like 100 in my age group they were just all so very nice and there is just so funny because they had like their own little vip section mm-hmm. and they're all just like drinking and chatting away at the award ceremony it was but then was afterward weird. like we were one of maybe five people who waited to say hello yeah. like it felt very it felt very like after the concert like waiting behind the scenes, scenes yeah but at the it same works. time it was just like a couple Nobody of else us. wanted yeah yeah and Sam, I still remember. This isn't one of my top five, but Sam, like... Kim is hijacking my number five here. No, but it's it's part of the story. <laughs> Sam, I was up on the stage, like, getting my award for placing, and he was like, I saw you up there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> we also saw Sam today. Yeah, we did see him riding. today riding. Um, so that's my number five, meeting them. Couple of heroes. Yeah. Couple of, would you say heroes? Maybe not Role heroes. models. Role models. Yeah. Yeah. It was really nice to just like. Meet them in person. Yeah. Jan's way taller than I Jan ever thought. Jan is way taller. Lucy's, Lucy's super skinny. And taller than I thought. And tall. And really pretty. They're, Sam's really pretty. What? <laughs> Great experience all around. We love it. Anyways. All right. Number four. Four. My number four is Puerto Rico in. What year was that? 2019. Yeah, in 2019, because that was the first time I got to redeem myself after breaking my leg during the race in 2017, and I won overall. Crushed it. Yeah. That was really cool. I didn't get to break the tape, which... We've already talked about this. Yeah, I know. I still have a bone to pick with them. You can't just keep repeating the same... But we're going to get the tapes. Oh, I googled where bone to pick came from. Promptly forgot it, but it has to do with like cleaning off like a chicken bone. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, my number four. Can you do like a number four? Like you know how like the sports center. Uh yeah, I was thinking more like Ryan Seacrest, top one hundred. I don't even know what that is. They do like number four. Anyways, number four. Thanks for playing along. Um. Okay, so I wrote new bike as my number four because you used three things as your number five. I'm going to amend that to not every time I ride my bike because sometimes it's not my favorite memory ever but every time I descend without braking on my new bike because for a number of reasons first and foremost it feels really cool and you feel like kind of a cool can you say person. bad words yeah can I say badass yeah 
you feel like kind of a badass, right? Everyone's always like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And then you wave. I figured out my cycling wave, by the way. It's just a couple of fingers off the, off the handle. Anyway, and also on a more serious note, bike confidence for me has grown exponentially over the last year of having this bike. I think that was like the real big piece was just like being on a bike that actually fits me. Thanks, Dave Ripley and 51 Speed Shot. We love you. Um, but also getting out on my bike as much as I do. So every yeah. time I descend, I feel like that all just kind of clicks into place. All right. So that's my number four memory is um, we can say Saturday with <laughs> my number four memory. Anyways, number three... I'm going to go with um, when I raced my first world championships at IT World Champs in Chicago, primarily because, well, well, for two reasons. Number one, because I did really well. I got eighth overall, and I was like the third place American, which is awesome. And I broke two hours in the Olympic distance for the first time. But number the reason why it was so exciting was just because it was on home soil and I brought like a huge contingent of all of like my super close friends from school and everybody like either flew or drove out I remember James and Billy both took mom's car and like literally drove like 500 miles from Bucknell all the way out to Chicago to watch the new race and then proceeded to drive all the way back like that night we all made it back in time for classes it was crazy but yeah that was my number three good times in Chicago. Very stressful. I was super stressed out for that race. That was good. What's your number three? My number three is my first race. First which, race? Yep. Yeah, Puerto Rico. No. It says triple T. Those are not in order. Oh. You okay. wrote yours in order. I just wrote mine as they came to mind. Okay. So, Sorry. So Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Your first ever race. First ever race, and I think that's the only reason that it's my favorite memory. That was like, a, like I don't know how I finished that race. Let me just tell you. Yeah, she, you took it out as your fastest 5K. I ever. literally think I PR'd. I, we've already said this. I think we've had this exact conversation on the pod. Yeah. But the swim was great. We love Puerto Rico. <laughs> I finished it. That was like, I think goal number one was like get out of the water alive. Yeah, and where you're supposed to get out of the water. You were still angry. When? At the end. Because you, you wanted to win. Yeah, and I got third, right? Yeah. Out of four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like the first uh, place girl was only like five minutes ahead of you. I know. She's she continued to beat me in a lot of races. Maria Piarafo. Pia? Pia? Really? Yeah, I've seen her a couple of times. And every time we're like very close. But Nice, I think she crushed me. Huh. I got to give credit where it's due. She's like a really, she's a really good cyclist. Um, but alas... Still my third favorite memory because I finished it and it was the first one. And I think there's something to be said for that. And I will say as a caveat, pretty much every single time I finish a race, I'm like, whew, wasn't sure if I was going to finish that one. So. Hmm. All right. My, you on to number two? Yeah. All right. Number two, I chose 70.3 Muncie in... 2018 because that was my first overall victory and yeah that's about i'm glad all you're doing is times you won i could have listed off all the times i did well i'm a national champion 
All right. Fight sure. me, Cameron. Well, that's these are Cam's li- all you're listing off are your accolades. No, like you're just telling people your race resume. Well, first off, I'm, I'm not trying to explain uh, it. So you literally were like, you took my number five, and you were like, yeah. By the way, I placed in South Africa, and Sam right. remembered it. So Cam now said ten of his favorite memories. They're all times you did well. Anyways, give us some adversity, Cam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What have you been challenged? Um, a lot of races. Are the only times you're those happy are when the you win, Cam? No, those are the races that I give. I don't know. Oh, when you've done well. No. <laughs> when you have a single digit number that you can say you placed. Anyways, Muncie, uh, 2018. I was like, it was just like a, it was basically like a B race for us, and I wasn't really expecting Muncie, to do well. Muncie, that is like my least favorite memory. I think. Wow. That race was so bad. Yeah, for me. we like both didn't feel well going into it, and well, we weren't we weren't rested. Rested. Really. We literally like trained through it. Like we literally <laughs> like, I think we took Nick's listening to this and probably cracking up because I feel like he knew it going into that yeah. race. He was like, this we is had like funny. VO two max builder like the Wednesday before the race, <laughs> and then we had like an easy ish ride on whatever Thursday, and then like a easy ish run on. Friday. And Meanwhile, then it was like we race drove day. from DC to Muncie like yeah, the day before like the race. Literally the day before the race. And then the day after the race, he had us like back on the bike instantly. Which was good. I mean, it ended up working out. I yeah. mean, it was just part of the build. It really was. Towards but. South Africa. Yeah, but um, it was basically just, it was weird because I remember in 20, whatever my first time in Muncie was, I think it was like 2015 or something. Um, Greg Garcia, I remember talking to him in like in transition. He was like, you going out to win today? And I was like, nah, maybe when I get a new bike and come back here, I'll probably go out for the win. And like literally, I remember like seeing him in transition. He was like, you going out for the win today? And I was like, we'll see what happens. <laughs> he saw the new bike and was like, oh shoot. Yeah, but like, I don't even know what happened. I was just like going out and I didn't even necessarily feel that good. It was just like, a, I was just racing my race, chilling. And it was just really cool because that's like our team's... Like, I guess I would say it's, like, one of their, like, home, not home bases, but it's definitely, like, in their neck of the woods. Oh, I think Muncie is, like, a home race for our team. Yeah, yeah, For sure. So, I mean, based in Indy. So, we had everybody there, really, watching. And and, competing, I mean. And competing, and my mom and grandparents were all there watching, and that was my first overall victory, so I got to break the tape in front of everybody, and it was cool. It's a cool experience. Anyways... I'm done bragging. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like I said, credit where it's due. Yeah, but, but are really memorable. your top five memories just times that you've like Well, won? everybody knows that I definitely do this sport to compete. Yeah, of course. I mean, so, so when, do so I. So one of my hard... Yeah, but like... But that's so like sassy. No, no, I'm not saying that. But I mean, uh. it's like... Like, I don't know. It's definitely like rewarding. And that's when it pays it like... I don't really remember a good day of training. It's like the days that actually like you have to like all the hard work pays off and like it's like your day as well. They has all the pieces have to fall together. That's why those days are memorable. <laughs> I've had plenty of days where I thought that I felt great but the pieces didn't fall together. Right. That's my number one. We'll yeah. get to that. Anyways. I, I'm just being sassy. Yeah, I know. Okay, go on. I'm very proud of you. You're number two. We're, I am not number two. I'm number one. No, you. what's your number two? In the hearts and minds of our fans. <laughs> My number two is Triple T. 
Um, also up there with like one of my very hardest, most you challenging said, race experiences. You said it was your hardest race ever. It would like honestly is the hardest thing I think I've done to date. Um, for it's a crazy number of though, because you didn't even seem that like dead at the end. Okay, apparently Nick didn't think I was gonna do it. What, like the race at all, or just like finish? finish? He thought you were gonna like drop down a distance or something. <laughs> yeah, he told me afterward. He was like, Nick, I don't know if this was like between us or anything, but <laughs> after like literally after I finished the cross the finish line, he was like, he like put his hand on my back and was like, honestly. At the end of that first Olympic, I didn't think you were going to keep going. I think every single morning also. He was just surprised to see you. <laughs> like roll out of bed with braids, just like mangled hair everywhere. Like, everybody was pretty into it the first two days. And uh -huh. then the third day, I remember our entire cabin like woke up and like they were like the gun was basically going off oh, and we were yeah. just arriving in transition <laughs> we were like our rolling squad, in <laughs> literally you, everybody was literally like still walking our bikes in to transition and like nothing was set up and like people were like hopping in the water and you guys are like eh, <laughs> it's fine it's fine well the truth is i mean when you think about the the race holistically you barely get enough time you barely get as much time as you would give yourself to rest between workouts in like a training block. No, you, you get less. You, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you're really pushing your body to its physical limit in terms of rest. And I say that like with full knowledge of things like the Barkley marathons and people who do Kona distance and, and everything, right? Full distance. Kona distance. I don't know why I just said that. It's so, so late. Um, people who do full distance races, and then on top of that, like, ultra marathons and stuff. I know that, like, people do more than I did, right? Yeah. But I also would like to own the fact that that's the most I've ever done. Yeah. In, like, a weekend span like that. And I, I wonder, think... what do you, do you think, what did, did people tell us what they would rather do? Didn't people say that an, an Ironman, Ironman is easier than yeah. that format we of Triple T? We were competing with, I mean, half of the people I raced with from TS2 have done Fulls. full distances. And even, like, specialize on that. And, like, Amanda, our teammate Amanda was telling us that that she literally would do would rather do a full distance race than Triple T because of the rest that your body gets in between. Like, it allows your muscles to, like... Fatigue. Fatigue, yeah, more than they would if you were just, like, going, going, going for eight hours straight, right? And then stopping, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so on that front, like, the physical challenge of it was something to overcome and I think looking back on that it's shown me my strength in a way that I didn't expect yeah. from it I really went into that thinking I was gonna crush it like I went into triple t I I did not respect the race I did not respect yeah, but the you distance weren't, like rested or anything either no I mean that was another thing it was like very much part of training it was like train through it weekend but at the same time like I went into it thinking I was just gonna train through it Right. And yeah. it was like way more than that. But then on the other side of that, it was way more than that. Let's be real. My body I just was just like shut the down. last day biking up next to you. And you were just not having it. Well, because Cam comes out rested, fully rested. The I kid's been napping. You were napping. No, I wasn't. You napped while I raced one day. No, I know I you did, did not. Yes, you did. Amanda did told not. me. I do not think I did. You definitely took a nap. Anyway. Anyway. 
you took a nap, you were chilling, you did a couple of runs, it was breezy, and then you come up in the middle of our half Ironman distance. Yeah. The roads were terrible. Wow. I've never biked worse roads in my entire young life. Yeah, but you were also dying. I just remember That's what I'm saying. next to you. Okay, so like, no, so, so picture this. You're like fatigued, right? You've already done two Olympic distances and a sprint distance. At this point, you're just like just trying to finish. It's survival, right? Mm -hmm. I lost my hydration. This was the race I lost. Oh, no. Uh, I had lost my hydration the day before that, right? Yeah. I had no nutrition. (laughs) And then the roads are bumpy. Could you imagine a more frustrating situation? The roads were the you, roads in the park were bad, but out on the course they weren't that bad. Where I got to you, they were not that bad. But the hill you got to me on. That was semi bad, but I asked if you wanted to me to ride with you and you just were like, just go. Oh, you weren't sassy. I didn't say that. No, you weren't sassy. You were just tired and you were just like No, I think I even laughed and I was like, No, you go. I think you like sort of chuckled. You're like, nah. <laughs> anyway. I just was surprised that you were you had gained on me so fast. I think I was also on my old bike anyway to finish my number four or my number two um the like the main reason I think it's my favorite memory is because we met Chris there yeah who's like honestly I count him among one of our best friends right now yeah right I got so much closer with Nick and Amanda and Amanda everybody on our team our entire team I met Julie really for the first time Katie. Katie for the first time. Like, literally, almost. Yeah. I mean, literally everyone. I could name everyone because I had only ever met Nick and Amanda. The two much. Amandas and Nick. Yeah. So, the reason I say Triple T is among my favorites is because of the physical challenge. But then also, like, it really solidified the TS2 community for me. Yeah. And that's, we've gone back to it over and over again. But that's the real reason why I think I started racing and training was... Because walking around Muncie with you that first year, right? Was it Muncie? Wisconsin. Madison. Yeah, and Muncie. Yeah, but walking around, I was like, I want to be a part of this and I want to be racing, you know? Yeah. So that's why I'm here. And that's why that's my number two. All right, number one. Is this another one that you won, Cam? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one is just, this one's dumb, but it's probably, no, I'm only probably just kidding. south it's definitely south africa my first 70.3 world champs yeah i was super nervous and the trip itself was just awesome because it was like halfway across the world and i i thought south africa was really pretty yeah and sharks no i really great liked it. food it was just, we know i'm not being sassy i'm literally listening like, i like comparing it to nice and looking back like south africa was a much better venue in my opinion also, the community in South Africa was community so much was nicer. Better. I just thought the entire race was better, better put on and stuff. But, and then, like, and, like, just the experience around it, too. We, like, stayed there longer and just got to explore a little bit more. Um, but then the race itself, obviously, I did really well. Yeah. Which was, like, a huge payoff because... Especially on a really hard day. You had we had beautiful weather on my day. My day was like really crappy. Well, we had like a really bad wind on the bike, but yeah, your day was like raining. It was raining. It was so cold. It was pretty cold, yeah. We did not stand outside for most of it. You had far fewer crowds. Like it was your good, though. crowds were much smaller. It was way it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You really that, crushed that was it. it. That's it was that's the easy one, but like it was really memorable because, like, then the award ceremony and stuff, and I don't know. Also, the food was so good and so cheap. 
Yeah, in South Africa. Not at the award ceremony, because at the award ceremony, they'll charge you like $27 a person. For like for... some frozen meatballs that aren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> that run out really fast. Yeah, but in South Africa, generally, it's like half price US dollar, basically, which is... If anyone's going, we have Rex. I have a list. Of what? Of all the places we went. Oh, yeah, we do. We have of all the places. All the ca- good cafes and stuff. The green roof, man. The best yeah. one. Yeah. So that's your number one. First yeah. world champs. I guess. I, I think it's just because of how I performed, but I don't, wouldn't say that's like the most, like, I don't know, <laughs> like community memorable or just like no, triathlon memorable in itself. Yeah. That's just more like the first thing that pops in my head, the thing that I'm most proud of and what I'm going to remember is that. So I'm not trying to judge your... Anyways, your number one is similarly. also, yeah, is also performance-based almost entirely. Yeah. Um, minus Indian Wells 2019. Uh-huh. So that's this past December, right? Yeah, like six months ago. Yeah, this was, but like, so far and away my best race of all time. Yeah. To date. I'm hoping for some... Of those some, <laughs> Yeah, some similar... Um, experiences, but I feel like everything just clicked here. We, I dealt with some frustrations as the podcast knows with my shifting, stopping, working, and what else? Is that it? Pretty much. Is that it's like just the, your bike was? Yeah. The swim was fine. The swim was cold. Everything. The swim was so, so cold. Yeah, but like your biggest thing was the bike. Was we were the like bike. Panicked yeah. about. We went everywhere. But I think like. I mean, it ended up being fine. It was uh, of the as far as courses that you'd want to get stuck with like one gear on. I know, go. You got lucky. That was an okay one. Um, but again, like that's and the we, first time I really felt like I executed, and that to me is like that's success, and that's something that again, again, and again, and again, I feel like I say this all the time that I used to and still struggle with comparing myself to other people and like setting my benchmarks based on like what place I am and who I've beaten. Right. Right. But I think like the execution piece is the first thing you have to do in order to even, even like imagine getting those goals. Um, so Indian Wells was the best. I didn't even place as well as I wanted to. What did I get there? You got third, third in your age group and seventh overall. Yeah, I guess I guess my age group was just stacked. The entire race was stacked. That's the most competitive. That's like, Outside of world champs, that's more competitive than. And I got like a massive PR. I PR'd by like twenty minutes or something. No, was it less than that? Like ten or fifteen or something. Okay, that's still so many minutes. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, I I had a huge PR and somehow still like I feel like that time would have won me any other race. I would have broken the tape pretty much anywhere else. Um, but that's my number one. And again, I'm sorry that I called you out on years being performance yeah based. those are like the ones that we thought of like off top of our heads at 10 o'clock at night on a tuesday so i'll probably wake up in a cold sweat and be like shoot yeah we'll both nick's uh, probably yelling at his phone like you guys forgot whatever it is number one for both of us was meeting nick <laughs> <laughs> honestly true mic drop that's the end of the episode anyways <laughs> Um, but yeah, as of 2020 in May, that's our top five. So 
onwards. Um, I had my second Zwift race this last week. Yeah, this one was less exciting for me. The, I don't know. Fewer laps. It was fewer laps. laps. Yeah, the laps, I don't know why. It does add a little bit of excitement. It just feels like, like it feels like... Like a Mario Kart race? Well, honestly, Pretty much. yeah, kind of. But I think for from a spectator perspective, I feel like I know where That's you are. Next. Yeah, I'm like, oh, the cobbles are next. Or like, oh, the big hill's next, right? But you only yeah. saw that big hill once or twice on twice, this last yeah. one. Twice, yeah. We did the UCI reverse Richmond course this time. Um, the field seemed definitely way more knowledgeable of racing on Zwift. There are a lot more Tron bikes in my group and people seem to like actually know when to push and like study the course and how to use power-ups and stuff but basically it was like a similar sort of story i don't know big big hill a lot of power pushed there was a pro cyclist who ended up winning it and i got out sprinted pretty bad at the end (laughs) but you did you the effort was there i yeah i had my highest average like 20 minute power which is exciting um got a new new ftp got another new ftp (laughs) um (laughs) the worst is when we like so right after we got we did these ftp tests and got new ftps two weeks ago or whatever like the next three workouts for me were like 110 percent ftp and i was like bro this is like my old like 210 percent ftp yeah it's so hard like that transition i feel like we're still in it but like there's this there's this like transition period between getting a new ftp and like actually (laughs) yeah being comfortable with that new ftp i know um but it was good it was a good race i'd be a really good lead out rider and like nick and i definitely talked about strategy especially for us triathletes because i think i averaged like again the highest watts the highest watts per kilogram the highest heart rate you watching it again and i said this to you afterward you are so uncomfortable drafting yes like i but i did a better job my first race this race nobody wanted to push the race or pull whatsoever but that's what i'm saying like i feel like you could just like play chicken and be literally pushing like 130 watts but there were times though that like we had a like seven second gap over mm-hmm. the chase group and nobody wanted to push, but that chase group started dropping in time. And so then it came down to six and then uh. it was at five and nobody was pushing. And I was like, okay, if nobody's going to do this, these guys are going to catch back up, which is bad for everybody involved. Right, right. Because that's just how Zwift racing is. But so like I, again, when Nick and I discussed, I'd make a great lead out rider. So... If any pro peloton teams are out there, uh, <laughs> you got your, your man. Guy. Yeah, I can hold a lot of power for for a pretty like long thirty for, seconds for a pretty long time, and then that sprinter can just zoom right past me. Anyways, um, some triathlon results, or at least virtual race results from this last week. Um, we'll start with the Zwift Pro Tri series. So I guess whatever happened, I only found out about it because I was like browsing the YouTube. The YouTube. The YouTube, yep. I'm putting on my overalls and geezer, uh, what are they called? Bifocals. (laughs) Um, but like, it didn't seem like it was official. It didn't seem like Zwift, like, hosted it anywhere. I only found out about it because Lucy posted about it on her youtube oh yeah 
Um, but Zwift didn't post it on their YouTube and they didn't live stream it. But this was the fourth fourth race in the series. And it was kind of interesting, this one. It was a different format. Um, the same rules still applied. And um, yeah, same rules still apply, like smart trainers and stuff like that. But there were two different races separated 12 hours apart, which was weird. It seemed like the one that was like midnight or... Yeah, midnight our time here in Mountain Standard Time was had like a little bit more competition and was more competitive and like more participation. Um, and then there was another one at like noon our time that Lucy did, and there was not as many people in that race. But Jimmy Kershaw won both races, All which right. is weird. But they were 12 hours apart and he won both of them. It was a little bit longer of a race with a big hill climb at the end. Um the men and the women both went off at the same time, so they're like technically racing against each other. So like, fun. Lucy was like drafting off of Matt Russell at one point, so <clears throat> that was an interesting dynamic. Um, and then over on the women's side, Laura Sadal won the first one, like early in the morning our time, and then Lizzie Duncan, Duncan, I don't know, how to, what do you think, Duncan? I think it's Lizzie Duncan. Sure. Won the second race, and Lucy got second in that second race um, i feel again, like it's like Dunecombe. Dunecombe? i don't know i don't know where is she from that she's british oh that doesn't help me i don't know why i asked that question um but again the only footage of it is found or at least that i can find is on lucy's youtube so if you want to watch that race they live streamed it and you can watch it there um Moving on, the Zwift like classic series or Zwift racing for the pro peloton riders or whatever, the pro cycling riders, they changed it up a little bit and it wasn't just like a one stage race this last week. It was like a like actual tour. So it was a five day race, um, which is pretty cool. And it was like team based. So it was a bunch of like sprint points and KOM points and like general classification or like stage win points. It was cool to see them change it up and like uh, maybe get some more people involved. The teams every day changed and the riders for each team changed, which was pretty cool to watch. But yeah, just again, I just wanted to say that there's still some cool stuff happening on the virtual racing side if you want to stay involved with that. And then final race news, um, Ironman VR6 finished up this last week. They also changed it up. Um, they did Team Australia versus Team New Zealand, both on the male and the female side. I don't know who I was cheering for here. I love them all. I think I was cheering for Australia I, because of I think, Ashley and Josh. I think, yeah, I think I think I was probably going pulling for the Aussies. But unfortunately... I love Brayden, though. Yeah. Who else do I love that's from New Zealand? I don't know. Javier Gomez. He's not from New the- <laughs> <laughs> He lives there now. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, we fell short of who we wanted to win. The Kiwis won both the male and the female side. Um, Mike Phillips um, won with his partner Braden coming in second. Um, They beat out Josh Amberger and Tim Reed. On the female side, Teresa Adam won, who actually just won Ironman New Zealand. Um, I guess not just, but that was like one of the last real races. And her partner, Hannah Wells. Who also just won, like, 435 races. Yeah. She's, like, a total champion. Yeah. And they beat out Rodka Kalefelt and Ashley Gentle. No one could ever beat out Ashley. There was a weird thing, though. During the thing, during the, like, stream, 
there's a weird thing during the thing. No, but um, Tim Reed, who was like hosting Iron Man's Instagram, his like smart trainer just like failed during the middle of it. Is that the one that just like kept spinning? That like, like freewheeling? Yeah, it was like he could like it was like almost like there was no more resistance whatsoever, and like e- even if he was in his biggest gear, he would then in sprint it would just like not generate any resistance so the thing was just like flying as if he was going like 60 miles an hour but people were still passing him but he said he had to go outside to finish it yeah he did he ended up going outside which is crazy anyways do you want to report on this last bit of news yeah i'll try and power through it um thanks everybody for listening through but this is like i guess not the main segment but this is like (laughs) That's sad. <laughs> this is our second and third and whatever. This is a like big chunk that was re- like released. The big chungus. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're both we've both lost it at this point. Um we should try doing a 24-hour stream. No. Okay. USA Triathlon released a safe return to multi-sport like briefing they just, just like last emailed week. us out of nowhere yeah also they just decided not to like do anything about our membership fees that we've all paid yeah no they're not gonna cool. return those thanks they're just sending us this that's us how that's email. how they're funding this pdf oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone's getting paid like four hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars anyways um these guidelines are based off of the cdc who and osha um i mean for now what until that changes come november when we have like another wave of this anyways this is what it's currently based off of again it was released this last week um so basically they say that there are three phases of the return phase one is what we're currently in which is basically just all virtual everything phase two um is actual in-person races um they limit the size of the participating fields according to the local guidelines um wait so they don't actually have any numbers for that no no no. this is all extremely general um if you want to read all this so they're basically just like uh, follow the rules yeah pretty much and if you want to read this it's all um if you belong to usat they emailed it out to you so like check your spam inbox um or you can find it on their website. Again, it's USAT Safe Return to Multisport. And there's a big, long thing. I, like, laughed at most of it. But I'll give you the rundown of, like, the big points. Thanks for reading it for us, Cam. So no problem. No to. problem. Um, in Phase 2, you have to receive approval from local authorities. There's, like, a tiered schedule. Wave starts. Discouraged spectators from attending. Um, in a lot of this, they always mention they highly recommend a swim clinic or familiarization before the race. Um, I think they're all pretty stressed out that nobody's been swimming and the people likelihood of like drown? people drowning is Jeez. higher. Um, That's scary. Yeah, and they say physical distance as much as possible and sanitation protocols, which I sort of chuckled at which I'll get into. Um, and then phase three, uh, it's basically like the same thing. Um, it's just like bigger than phase two. So in-person racing, according to local guidelines, mass starts, swim clinic still recommended. Um, this time, like a little less limited spectators and staff and volunteers. Dude, um, no one's going to listen to that. I know, it's crazy. And then they also say... In both phase two and phase three, 
to hold virtual race briefings or award ceremonies. Okay, so now into like the details of how they go into everything. Um, they go into a lot of detail regarding sanitation and like how many hand washing stations these events have to have and how many toilets. They want these races to mark out six feet um, of distances between any sort of like who contact. made up six feet again who did it we've talked about this on this i know but i'm just i want to find like, them it's like the invisible wall in video games it doesn't doesn't exist there's not yeah i know i understand like why i know but it's just so like it's Crazy. so silly when it's put into policy like this like must be marked out six feet it's just wild to i know me. it's crazy um they are requiring athletes to stay home if ill but that's like all on the athlete no one's to going judge. to do it yeah exactly um they no one's want doing that as it is i saw someone on a run today blow his nose into his hand and then wipe it all over his butt oh hell yeah and i was like sir i literally about faced and like Took a deep tour. Nice. Yeah, I date someone in the military. Anyways. (laughs) um, They recommend regularly cleaning touch point areas, spreading out the expos in a larger area of like their expo venue to limit crowds. Either a drive-through packet pickup or multiple bike or run shops in the area to assist in handing out packets. Um. Which only works if there are multiple bike and run shops in the area. So, like... Yeah, but that also... Like, I'll get, like, into it, but... That is so reliant on the athlete. Like, imagine splitting up and being, like, A through C. You have to go to Colorado Multisport. And um, D through F. You have to go to In Motion Running. And all these different play Like, that just sounds like an absolute Well, they nightmare. also just become <clears throat> hubs then, too. And, I mean, yeah. I under... Like... I have so many complaints with it because if it is just like, what if you had, instead of having them go to three bike and run shops, have just three stations like spread out on a football field? You know how much better that is? People aren't touching product. Like I went to Trek today or not today, Friday. I went to Trek and they literally locked the door, asked me what I needed, had me walk in. They grabbed the product for me, right? Like. I didn't touch product at all. And if you're worried about people spreading germs, inviting them into a small enclosed space where like everything is tactile and they're going to want to touch literally everything. They're going to buy things. They're going to try things on and then put them back. Like it just is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But um, they recommend or I guess they require face coverings while racing, which seems nuts. What? Yeah, just just wait, just wait. It gets crazier. I can't um, even keep my buff on in the grocery store. I know. Um, they discourage athletes to run less than 13 feet apart while racing. Um, this they, is wild. Yeah, that just seems like insane. That doesn't seem like racing at all then. Or like how are they even going to enforce that? Exactly. It's nuts. Um, aid stations with single-use water bottles. Um which I guess they like sort of do already. I don't know what the yeah. They basically, it's just like weird. They discourage volunteers, um, and if they do, they have them like six feet away from the race course and like drop like the whatever the fluid off at like a station. And the athletes on the athlete to so it would be more like a special needs 
sort of situation where like you're grabbing a bottle on your own and going yeah um they also are considering athletes bringing their own bottles instead of even having aid stations so something like at norseman mm-hmm. like you have your own pit crew which again requires a ton of coordination and spectators which and spectators. they're discouraging yeah and i'm not trying to be critical i feel like we're always critical well this is am like, i just like constantly complaining no about but that's everything? like our job yes we have to be the, the I don't know. We have to be the sacrificial lamb for all of our glorious listeners. No, but like, I don't know. It's just, I'll, we'll get into it. Let me well, just get through this. Let me just get through I, No, I know. I just said, like, I just started to say something and then stopped myself. It, but I just, I complain about this stuff because I love this sport so much. And I just, like, I can wait to get back to it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't need... But I think people are hurting for money and they're seeing all these small companies go out of business. Yeah. And I don't even know how big companies are going to be able to do this. But again, I'll get into it. Sorry. They want to eliminate aid stations on the bike, which, again, that's, like... Wild. How are people going to survive? Um, You can't do anything over 70.3, I feel like. I know. I don't even think you can do a 70.3. You can. I don't stop at the aid stations. I did only Yeah, one I know. Time. But, like, you got to think of your average Joe. And, like, they could literally die out there. You're not wrong. And if there's no spectators and there's no volunteers out in the course and nobody monitoring it, yeah. it's like, what if they just pass out on Highway 36? And what do they do? Just melt out there? Another thing on the money front, though, we all paid our race reg. Okay. What? This all goes back to where the heck is all that money going? Where's my $500 going? Is it all going to reserve the park? Because if so, then you just pocket $500 for next year. Or is it going into an Ironman It's going to Andrew Messick's No, no, don't, don't, don't call people out. Don't be sassy. Don't be mean. I just am asking, like, (laughs) if it is going into someone's pocket. This is why the PTO needs to take over. We advocate... FTP is an advocate of the PTO buying uh, <laughs> I am. Cameron Hackett of FTP, for triathlon people, is an advocate of the PTO buying Iron Man. I just think the whole thing is really crazy. Anyways, let me continue. Does um, no one save anything? What? We've been paying them $500 a person. Morgan, let me get through this. Oh my gosh. I right. just... They want all volunteers to wear gloves. Um, which I thought was hilarious because I don't even have adequate PPE at my office, which is a cancer facility. But It's because Iron Man has it all. Uh, yeah, they just hoarded it all, which is why now I can't treat patients. <laughs> Anyways, um, no more body marking, so they want self-tattoos, which I actually like this idea. This is one of the few ones that I was like, oh, that'd be cool. But like tri-tats? <clears throat> yeah, but again. Or just we choose a number and get it permanently tattooed on both shoulders? No, like tri-tats. Um, I wish all races actually did that, but it's just more expensive to do it that way. Um, one of the th- ones I actually laughed out loud at was they want virtual medals. Like the with, VR thing? Like the VR and virtual award ceremonies, which I literally was like, half the reason why people do these is to get the medal as like a bragging right. If yeah. you send out a PDF of their medal. People are printing them out though. Have you seen that? Yeah, but like. And putting them on like lanyards. Which I think is wild. I cannot. I mean, that's honestly good for them because these virtual medals are actually, I think they're like comical. 
That's t- that's embarrassing. I'd be like embarrassed if my well. Also, race... why they have no trouble mailing us our patch and everything in our and little Iron Man has no problem mailing us a separate gold thing or a separate backpack. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've got the receipts. I know. Um, they want to spread out the finish line, um, which at this point I was just thinking about it and the amount of space that they are wanting people to expand. I'm like, <laughs> we're going to need a small city. I was like, yeah, it's like to just clear out these, for the race. Yeah, these companies already don't have enough money to buy enough space for these things. And they're already a little crammed. And like, now you want them to spread out even more. It's crazy. Um, they want disposable timing chips, which is like, uh, that's already been sort of implemented at a lot of races. What do you like better? Do you like the disposable ones or the like, like the actual chip proper? Have I ever had a disposable? Yeah. yeah, It like tapes and it's like sort of like foam on the inside of your leg and it feels, it's like paper on the outside. Oh, rather than I like the real ones. You like the chip? I don't, I actually almost might like the disposable ones better. I know it sounds crazy, but I feel like I can get it tighter. Oh. I don't know. I, f- <laughs> funny you say that. I feel like the other ones, I can tighten them up, but then they still have give. Yeah. That one, if you tighten it up, it feels like your watch sock? is too tight. Interesting. Compression socks. Oh my gosh. Also, the oh. reason I hate compression socks. You're on a tangent all over the place today. Make my, my feet throb. Interesting. I said tingle last time, but I meant throb. I wake right. up and my feet are throbbing. Probably because it's cutting off circulation. Then. Moving on, I'm trying to keep us on topic. We, I know we're, I'm so we're tired. We need to. Um, they want to go to socially distant post race food, which I was like, why are we even having post race food if like yeah. we ha- don't even have award ceremonies or medals? Like the post race food, I don't think is a necess- necessity. Um, this one actually also made me laugh out loud. Um, they want multiple staff members dedicated solely to sanitation. They emphasize staff, not volunteers. Um, I was like, where do they think that the staff is coming from when a lot of these companies have literally like two people on staff? I mean, even when you look at Iron Man, we see the same people at every like northeastern race and every west midwestern race. race. Oh, yeah. I know. It's like like ninety five percent of the workforce is volunteers, and I don't know where they're getting. This and money. the thing is, they're going to see so many fewer volunteers for these two, I think. They, they're discouraging volunteers. Oh, yeah, that's true. There you go. Um, they also want someone screening everyone entering the venue. The person must be trained in screening, um, which I was also laughing out loud because they're literally companies hiring for this position, like screeners. And they're like, just do it for free. They want medical staff equipped with adequate PPE and thermometers. Which I mean, they're also this is a future state. Give them that that like, know, like they're not saying this the, weekend have I know, adequate PPE. I know, but it's just blowing my mind because, like, my office doesn't even have it. Like, it's not even like okay, future state. But like three months ago, we were asking for this, and three months have passed, and we still yeah, can't even hey, get people we tested. We have some tissues in the grocery store now. They're six dollars for a box of like a hundred, but we've got them. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I think we're we're making our way back. They want a larger medical tent and more medical staff, which like where are you even getting his medical staff? They're all like in New York, so Well, they're all working their jobs that are life saving. Yeah. Um, they want to limit event media. And I was like, Oh shoot, no more uh, epic race photos from finisher picks. <laughs> shoot. Oh, <Aww. laughs> 
love finisher picks, right? I've had like... Don't you want to pay $50 for one picture or $60 for all of your pictures? We're really like lighting people up tonight. Dude, finisher picks, I... Finisher picks That's is a bone bad. I have to pick, let me yeah. tell you. Of all the finisher picks I've had in my life, I've gotten like... I've probably had like 400 at this point. I could probably say I've gotten two that I would actually like... Buy. But the thing is, if you ever attempt to purchase them, you literally... This is what I'm saying. One of them is $25, okay? Mm -hmm. But all of them, it's like $50. It's one picture for $25. One digital download for $25. Or like all 26 pictures they took of you, plus a video. And also this like collectible plaque for $50. (laughs) You're like, what kind of profit margins are these that you're having? (sighs) Anyway. Anyways. That might um, be a segment for the future. Write it down. All right. They want every athlete to take responsibility for monitoring their own symptoms and temperatures two weeks out from the event. They didn't say if they want those reported or anything. They just want the onus to be on the athlete. Just an Excel sheet. An interesting note that um, USAT posted was that if someone gets sick, they can't sue USAT only if they get injured. Um, I guess they basically said that general illness is not covered, but injuries are. Is COVID-19 a general illness? Yes. Yes, it's a general illness. Uh. And also, if an athlete brings a claim against you for getting them sick, you are generally protected under the race insurance. They said generally protected. So you're not always protected, but they say generally. So you kind of like assume liability for yourself. Yes. Outside of like extenuating circumstances, physical injury. Yeah. Um... Okay. So, basically, my final notes are this is, like, an incredibly expensive ask for a sport that does not have a lot of big money brands. Um, And limiting volunteers is basically, like, canceling the event itself. Um, That's the whole reason I race. Yeah, exactly. And there's, again, we've also mentioned it, there's a lot of relying on the athlete to know where to go. I mean, obviously, you already are doing that. But, like, not to have it all in one location... It just sounds like kind of a nightmare. And also, it just sounds like it's just going to help something spread. Yeah, Um, I just, like, that's what I'm getting at when I say I can just wait, you know? Yeah. We may never have a world where COVID-19 doesn't exist, right? Like, MERS, SARS exist still. We still have viruses. We still have diseases. You're still at risk for, like staff infection when you jump into a lake right yeah but i think we need to wait until the risk is is significantly lower than it is right now yeah which stinks i hate to say that i i mean iron man has what like 15 days now to make their decision about kona and 70.3 worlds yeah that's what they said so the jury's out there but I would be surprised if they have it. Um, also, if one person is infected, I thought that basically most likely a significant amount of people are going to be infected. Yeah. We mentioned it on an earlier podcast um, where, like, how far do these particulates travel if you're riding a bike or if you're running? And, like, the six feet rule doesn't apply whatsoever. But also, you're like spitting. <clears throat> You're blowing your nose, right? Like, think about it while you're running, while you're biking. 
in the middle of the race, like, I'm constantly blowing snock rockets when I'm biking. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's no one behind me. I'm trying my best not to hit people. But, like, you're not going to be, you're not going to be in a completely human fluid free zone ever. Um, and then my last note was maybe less people will be willing to race um, just due to lack of fitness or not comfortable with it, um, which could help the organizers spread it out just because there's going to be less people. However, if there's less people, then there's less money, which would limit everything else that they've set out. So I'm telling you, rolling starts. I just, I think that they... By the hour. I think that everybody just needs to chill in my professional opinion <laughs> and what a good term was used today while i was at work what did they say it was pandemic exhaustion and now yeah. everybody's becoming exhausted of the pandemic and having to abide by the rules and having to stay at home and it's the same thing as like issue fatigue when you're asking people that's what pandemic fatigue that was oh, the right okay. word yeah yeah it's like when you're asking people to donate because like this is an emergency right yes. But and everything then next be- month is an emergency. And then the week after that's an emergency. Everything and it's like, emergency. I'm so tired of everything being an emergency. I can't Then nothing's doing. an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but- I feel you. It's like a low burn right now. Yeah. Just some interesting notes. Again, in, if you have time, it's worth a quick little click through because you'll probably get some laughs because I sure did. Because what they're asking is the world from these poor little, like, I just think of like Triple T. Like, yeah. no way could Triple T do I this. mean, I don't know. It's a small enough race. I don't want to single out any No, I know. Providers. I just, like, I just feel bad. Like, they have, like, two people on their staff. And right. it's, like... It's a passion project, I think, more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, and, like, the volunteers that go and volunteer at that race are so passionate about it. And, like, they're, they basically are what... Or how the race goes on. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like if all these rules and guidelines are set into place and those two staff members who are literally like the race managers are just having to clean everything all the time. Right. It's just, uh, it won't be the same. I don't know. Anyways. And on that note, and on that note, that is all. We're just going to fall asleep now. All we have to say. We're going to not ever do this this late again. She says before next week, we do the same thing. (laughs) No, this was a mistake. (laughs) Anyways, a lot of news. Thanks, everybody, for putting up with us. We will see you next week on the next one.